0: You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM. I would want to tell you we were listening to Dive Deep from Andrew Bell. who will be joining us at 9.15, but standing by is author Sarah Ockwell-Smith. Good morning, Sarah. Hi there. Hi. I should say good evening. You're calling in from London, so thank you so much. I really wanted to find out what intrigued you. I know you have four children which I'm in awe when I hear people have more children. I have two. Uh, what intrigued you to start to write a book about gentle discipline? What, what is it exactly?
1: So I think there were two things. Um, the first is I lots of the books that I read when my children were younger, sort of toddlers, four or five years old, didn't really strike a chord with me. I felt uncomfortable with what they were advocating. In part, I think because this is my second reason. When I was a kid, my mom raised me disciplined me basically by yelling at me. Um, I, she, her discipline involved shouting if she was angry. And I still remember how that felt when I was a kid. So I also know that it didn't work very well. I was scared of her at times, but I know it didn't motivate me to behave in a better way. So I think for me, it was trying to write the book that I really wish that I'd been able to read, but also to break that cycle of how I was raised. Yes. So to hopefully, you know, raise a new, new generation who don't yell constantly.
0: See, you know, I and I mentioned to you before we went on the air that I believe you can break the cycle of whether you were physically hit, you know, yelled at constantly. I believe you can break that cycle if you're conscious of different strategies. And I thought that was, um, that really struck a chord with me. You talk about four main learning styles and how to work with that rather than against it. Could you touch on that a little?
1: So I think... The important thing with discipline, and when I'm talking gentle discipline, is that it's unique to each child. So what I haven't done is write a book that tells you, if your kid does this, you should do this. I've tried to write a book that helps parents to understand their own unique kids. And actually, even if they've got two kids or three kids, to understand that each child is different and that discipline doesn't work in the same way for everybody. One of the ways to help them to understand that is to consider how the child learns, because all, that is, all discipline really is, is teaching. Mm-hmm. So we've kind of almost got to imagine that we're being a teacher at school and we're schooling or teaching our kids. Now, we know everybody learns differently. So some may prefer to listen, some may prefer to do and to move, and some, some learn better when they're being artistic. So it's trying to work out which style sort of suits your child more. So one child might do really well to sit down and have a conversation with you. One child might do really well to actually write it to you. So writing each other letters. If you have teenagers, you can text each other, you know, kind of meet them where they are. I like that. Another child might do better if you did a role play about, oh, this is what you did. What do you think you could have done better next time? Let's ask that out. So it's all about being individual rather than treating all kids the same.
0: No, I, I firmly believe that. I love what you, you said about timeouts. You, you were talking about this. It's a traditional discipline technique that it might be popular, but it really doesn't work. It backfires. And I remember trying it when my daughter bit me. <laughs> and, and I felt like she was having a party sitting in the corner or in her room. Like she, she was like, Wee, yeah. <laughs> She's probably listening going, yep.
1: <laughs> so
0: what's your opinion yeah. on that?
1: So you know time out beats spanking I think and also I think sometimes it beats yelling so if, if if you feel that you can't cope and the only thing you can do is do a time out then I'm all for what I call do the least harm but if you look at time out as a dis- te- discipline technique it's actually not very effective so right. good and effective discipline you've got to think about what this is this teaching my child am i looking at the underlying lead or problem am i solving that need or problem and am i teaching them to do better when you think about timeout it doesn't actually meet any of those needles ticks any of those boxes so when your daughter is biting you putting her in timeout doesn't help you to understand why she bit you right. unless you look at that cause and that reason she's still going to bite <laughs> you
0: exactly. secondly
1: with timeout it doesn't teach them what to do better yeah. and actually what's interesting is a lot of kids misbehave because they're desperately seeking attention from us so they're seeking connection quite often if you if you're busy you know you've been chatting to a friend for ages if you've gone back to work if you've had another baby if the kids started school lots of them will just kind of feel that need to spend more time with you if they are not able to verbalize that need very well that will often come out in what we call attention seeking behavior which lots of people think is bad but it's just a need they're basically saying i need you more So imagine you've got a kid who needs you more, and they're behaving in a way that's not very good, but their behavior is saying, please see me. Mm -hmm. Now, it makes no sense to me as a discipline technique that you punish them by disconnecting even more. So say you've got two kids, like lots of sibling rivalry, they're fighting, and what they're really saying is, hey, mum, hey, dad, I need to be with you more. I'm feeling a bit disconnected. Why would you possibly disconnect them even more? It, like, punishes them even more for having a problem. Yes. It doesn't solve the problem. It makes even bigger problems. Yes.
0: No, I really I thought that was a really interesting insight uh, that you shared in the book. And I liked what you said about rewards do nothing to increase intrinsic motivation. And some people don't understand the difference between intrinsic motivation and extrinsic. Do you want to talk about that a little?
1: So whenever we want to do something or we'll have to do something, whether we're a child or an adult, we'll have motivation to do it. So for altruistic behavior, for helpful behavior, We'll be motivated to help because we want to, because we like helping people, because we like helping them to feel better. Intrinsic motivation is really, really powerful. Extrinsic motivation is when somebody is rewarded for doing something. So in the case of a kid, maybe you've got an eight-year-old and you want them to help tidy up and they don't want to tidy up because, you know, it's not very fun. Nobody really enjoys tidying. Of course. And they won't do their chores. And you say, okay, if you do this, I'll give you $5. If you tidy up your room all day, I'll give you $5. And you might think, yeah, it's great parenting, that really works. But what you've done is by that external motivation, you've actually undermined any intrinsic desire for the kid to do it next time. And what we know if we look at psychological research is if a child is rewarded for doing something, say your kid that gets $5 for doing chores, they are less likely to repeat that behavior next time if a reward is not on offer. So what you do with rewards that are extrinsic is you kind of create an if-then child. By if-then, what I mean is a child who says, okay, well, if I do it, then what will you give me? Right. So unless you want (laughs) to have to keep paying and bribing, what you need to do is to work on them wanting to do it because they want to help you. And it it all comes back to connection. You know, why do we want to do things for people? Because we love them, because we respect them. No, I
0: thought that was really intriguing because a lot of times kids only want to do it if they're getting paid, you know. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about, um, you talk about ADHD and oppositional defiant disorder. Can you touch on that a little bit?
1: Yeah, so it's quite interesting actually because we have a really different diagnosis rate in the U.K. that you have in the U.S.A. Let's just say I have a 13-year-old who has ADHD. Mm -hmm. In the U.K. it's very rare. It's maybe... Four to 10% of children are diagnosed, and those who are diagnosed actually probably over half of them aren't medicated. Interesting. So in the USA, I know you have a much higher rate, and many more are medicated. So I think there would be some people who would argue, well, that's because you have private health care. Doctors maybe earn commission from the drug companies. Here we have the NHS, and our doctors don't earn anything from prescribing. Mm -hmm. I know in France, they have even lower rates and far lower medication rates. What I do absolutely believe in, though, is that it does exist. I don't like the new trend where people are trying to say it it just doesn't exist at all, because I think it really does. There's a lot more research coming out now looking at the brain and differences in children with, say, ADHD or on the autistic spectrum. And showing very different and distinct brain differences. So there's definitely something happening there. I just think we're probably over-diagnosing it, and probably more so in the U.S. actually. We've got to look at why. So one of the things I talk about in the book is childhood deficits. Yeah. You know, kids are spending more and more time indoors. Right. School's getting harder. They're getting more homework. They're having more tests. And that's not good for the kids. You know, it doesn't marry up with what's going on at their brain at that age. We just have to be a bit more sensible about it, I think.
0: I'm sorry to interrupt. I was going to say there are so many distractions. I mean, kids on their phones and... There's so many things going on that distract kids from staying focused, too.
1: Yeah, and can you imagine, you know, you can, I, I certainly didn't have all the screens that we have now. I, had, I don't know if you remember, like, in the 80s, I had a little Pac-Man machine, and that was it. <laughs> but, you know, growing yeah. up now, it's not just the screen time. I mean, screen time has strange and unpleasant effects on the growing brain. It's very addictive. But right. being on screen stops kids from being outside. I spent most of my childhood cycling around on my bike with my friends, going for walks, playing out, building dens. Kids kind of don't do that now. There's um, interesting research shows that if you take them out and say to them, can you name what these trees are? They get less than 10 correct. If you show them a hundred corporate logos and say, what brands are these? They get over 50% correct. So They know their brands and they don't know their nature.
0: Unbelievable. I know we have to wrap up soon, but I wanted to ask you what I mean, there's so many takeaways from this book, but what are some key things you would like the readers to take away from your book?
1: So in the book, I talk about three little words that have a really big impact. They are why, how, and what. So gentle discipline is really just treating kids with respect, treating them in the way that you would like to be treated if you were a kid and you've messed up. It's about being conscious. It's about breaking the cycle. In order to do that, you need to ask yourself, why are they doing this? That's your first letter, why, your first word. Why are they doing this? That helps to get on their side and to empathize a little bit. How are they feeling? In most cases, they're feeling pretty bad. There's too much of uh, pitting parents against kids out there. I think we have to understand that kids don't feel good when they misbehave either. The last thing is what, what do you hope to achieve from the discipline? That's the one that keeps you mindful and conscious and not repeating what happened to you. So every time your kid does something that presses your button, ask yourself, why are they doing this? How are they feeling? What do I hope to achieve from the discipline? Hopefully that will steer you much more into a more gentle and effective direction.
0: Beautiful. Uh, Sarah, thank you so much. Where can people find out more about you?
1: So um, my website is SarahOckwellSmith.com or GentleParentingInternational.com. And the book is Gentle Discipline, which is out now. Fantastic.
0: Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. And uh, I'll put this all on my show blog. And I'll post it up there. It's getthefunkoutshow.kci.org. Have a great day. Thanks again.
1: Brilliant. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.
0: That was Sarah Ockwell-Smith calling in uh, to talk about her book Gentle Discipline. Up next, singer-songwriter Andrew Bell is calling in. We'll be back.